You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, let's go ahead and get started this morning. Um, I'm so, like I said, I'm so happy to be here, and I just want to kind of share some of the things that the Lord has been placing on my heart, and as you're going to hear as I tell this this morning, you're going to see that it's actually been a long time coming. Back in late 2019 through early part of 2020, more specifically like January, sorry, December 2019 through like April, May-ish almost, 2020, I got COVID. And you may be thinking, like, how did she get COVID? Well, I got COVID. I didn't know it was COVID until after we knew what COVID was. But I had it, and my doctors were completely bewildered by this mysterious illness that I had. And it took at least three months for me to truly start feeling better. And as I was going through that season, I picked up a series, a book series, called The Mark of the Lion by Francine Rivers. It's a historical fiction book, and if you like that kind of genre of books to read, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler alert for you. (laughs) The book starts out about 40 years after the fall of Jerusalem. Rome came in, sacked the city, and we start off with a child named Hadassah as our main character. What happens to Hadassah is that her entire family is killed, and she's taken by Rome and taken captive and is made a slave in the city to a wealthy family which was very common back then. Throughout the first book, we see how her faith ebbs and flows as she struggles with so many different things, not to mention the difference of culture, and still dealing and reeling from the loss of her family. At the end of the first book, at the end of the first book, it was so amazing how they set this up in the story. You see, and she just lays out the Colosseum, and you see the lions coming into the Colosseum, and there Hadassah is in the middle of the Colosseum with the lions. We think she's passed on. But what we find out is at the beginning of the next book, book two, she not just survives the lions, she is marked by the lions. Sometimes when we leave the lions den, we are marked by the lions. I love how works of art can lead us back to scripture. Since this time, I have read Daniel six more times than I can count. I looked at the characters, I wondered what it must have been like to be in those moments, I've reflected on all these things, I've prayed about it, I've journaled about it, how it's impacted my own life, what that looks like, every single area. And what I've learned is that we all have a lion's den experience at some point in our life, or as St. John the Cross calls it, a dark night of the soul. Either way, these moments in our life that while God is still protecting us, is going to change us. Because sometimes we truly do come out marked by the lion. Let me pray. Most Holy Lord, Jesus, we invite you here today. Be with us, Father, and speak to our hearts in a way where we can take your word and allow it to sink deeply into our souls as we continue to walk with you daily. Amen. If you have your word with you, I'd encourage you to open up to Daniel 6 with me this morning. We are going to highlight some key passages this morning and kind of take you on a little bit of a journey through this story, but I would encourage you throughout this week to read through the whole passage yourself. 
So our start, story starts out with King Darius, and King Darius has a wonderful kingdom. He's very pleased with this kingdom, so much so that he ends up appointing 120 governors and administrators. Daniel is one of the three vice regents, or as we're going to call them today, VPs. At this point in the story, Daniel is, is estimated to be about 80 years old, which means that when he was captured, he was around 16 years old. I was discussing this story with a friend of mine, Jan Johnson, this past week, who's also a spiritual formation author, and she noted this. Daniel had five different leaders during the time he was captured and throughout his life. He didn't let any one of them define him, not even the Jewish community who have main, may have seen him as a traitor. I dare say Daniel has been through a few lion's den experiences himself. These lion den moments in our lives are meant to change us, to sharpen us, to refine us, and most importantly, to draw us closer to the Lord. We learn a bit more about Daniel's character in verse 3 of chapter 6, and it says, But Daniel, brimming with spirit and intelligence, so completely outclassed all the other vice regents and governors that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. So let's back that up for a second and see what, what, is, what is it really saying here about Daniel. He was brimming with spirit and intelligence and outclassed everyone. So you have this large group of people who is helping run King Darius's government. Large group, 120 people including Daniel. 119 of them were basically second class, if you think about it. They did not rank at the top. It's kind of like saying, you know, well, I, I guess I'm in L.A., so we had to say Kobe Bryant. I guess I would say Michael Jordan, so forgive me for that. <laughs> um, you, like, there's this guy who's just, or this person who's so outclassed and so above everybody that they completely outshine. And when that happens, it starts to change the environment and the things that's happening around them. Well, what we also know is that Darius and Daniel had a very well-established relationship. Daniel had shown himself to be trustworthy, meaning his actions supported who he said he was. And that fact alone allowed King Darius to rest in who Daniel was. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had people attempting to sabotage your work, making you look bad to your boss or your friends or your families, coworkers maybe? The second part that we're going to highlight, it comes from verse 6 and 7, and this is what I like to call the setup. The vice regents and governors conspired together and then went to the king and said, King Darius, live forever. We have conveyed your vice regents, governors, and all your leading officials and have agreed that the king should issue the following decree. Okay, let's stop there for a second. The key word in the first part of that passage is the word all. We've conveyed all your leading officials, everyone. That's not, they didn't, they're not saying we conveyed 119 of them, where they're saying we've conveyed 120 people. That includes Daniel. So the first thing the king is hearing is complete flattery, like, like live forever, king, you're amazing, we love you, you can do no wrong. The second thing they're hearing is Daniel is going to be in agreement with this decree we are asking you to put forth. And this is what the decree says. For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any god or mortal except you, O king. Anyone who disobeys will be thrown into the lion's den. 
King Darius was being set up just as much as Daniel. Power corrupts, and power can turn easily into jealousy. And when jealousy occurs, it can change into an action that becomes envy. They didn't like Daniel because he was simply living his life authentically. When we leave power and jealousy unchecked and it turns into envy, really difficult and hard things can occur. The truth is, when that happens within us, that comes from a deep well of insecurity within ourselves. The king, believing and trusting those he had appointed to help rule the country, never saw the covert workings of politics and emotions in any of the others. King Darius's pride quickly turned into his pain when Daniel gets tossed into the lion's den. Verse 11 through 14 says, The conspirators came and found him praying, asking God for help. They went straight to the king and reminded him of his royal decree that he had signed. So right here, okay, so right here we see that now they are going to finish their setup and they're going in for what we call the kill. They are telling him, like, look, this is what's happening. He is still praying. He is still talking to his God. He's going against you. It goes on and says, did you not, they said, sign a decree forbidding anyone to pray to any God or man except for you Then for the next 30 days? And anyone caught doing it would be thrown into the lion's den? The king replies, absolutely. Written in the stones, like all the laws of the Medes and Persians. So in this moment, what's happening is that he thinks, yes, of course, this is what's happening. I can't see anything wrong or bad that's going to be coming out because he hasn't realized he's been set up yet. They go on. Then they say, Daniel, one of your Jewish exiles ignores you, O king, and defies your decree. Three times a day he prays. So here they are. They've completely set up. But watch what happens as King Darius responds to them because he doesn't respond in the way that they think he's going to respond. At this moment, they're thinking, woohoo, we've got Daniel. Say that with me, woohoo. Yes, like, yay, like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. It's going to be great. We're going to finally get him. They've been working so hard for this moment. But at this moment, the king was very upset and tried his best to get Daniel out of the fix he had put him into. He worked at it all day long. At this moment, he not only realized he was set up, he realized he was part of the setup. The pride Darius felt when they flattered him and convinced him to declare the decree quickly turned into distress. And not just any distress, but great distress. The NIV version says, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel, and he made every effort to save him. Imagine that distress for a moment. If you would indulge me for just a second, close your eyes and think back to the last time that you experienced an incredibly distressful moment in your life. Remember what it felt like in your heart, in your mind, the last time you were here. The fear of realizing what he did must have been overwhelming. His thoughts had to be racing. His heart had to be beating 100 miles a minute. 
I imagine with his anxiety high and his palms sweaty, he felt sick to his stomach, his muscles were tense. In other words, he was in flight, fight, and freeze. Go ahead and open your eyes. This moment is normal and natural, especially when our minds and our bodies are feeling out of control because we realize we've been taken advantage of. Verse 16, the king caved in and ordered Daniel, brought to the throne into the lion's den. But he said to Daniel, your God to whom you are so loyal is going to get you out of this. Darius simply gave a command. We're not sure if he actually caved or not, or if he actually thought that there was something else going on and he realized that maybe there was an out here. The NRSV says it this way. When the king gave the command and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions, the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you faithfully serve faithfully serve, deliver you. So either way, whether he caved in or he just simply gave the command, he was wrestling with what was going on in that moment. And isn't that what we do as well? Our anxiety and our fear driving us to undo what we can't undo, not wanting to allow the reality of our choices to settle in. I imagine throughout the years before this day, Darius and Daniel had many conversations. Daniel, after all, was one of the three VPs of the entire kingdom. When you work closely with somebody, you get to know them. You get to know their values, you hear about their faith, you hear about what their priorities are, you see their character, because you're doing things with them consistently and daily. Darius knew Daniel, and he knew of Daniel's loyalty to his God. One commentator I read when talking about King Darius said that power makes men weak and susceptible to flattery. Daniel, in contrast, never parted from what he knew was right. This was not Daniel's first lion's den experience, or as St. John the Cross calls it, dark night of the soul. A dark night of the soul is when we go through an extremely difficult and painful period in our life. Mother Teresa, at the highlight of her ministry, when she was serving the poorest of the poor in India, had several different dark nights of the soul. And this is what she wrote about one of them in her journal. Where I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. Love, the word, it brings nothing. I am told God lives in me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Through her dark times and through her darkness, it left a mark on her. Pastor Peace Gazzaro, who wrote the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, said that a dark night is foundational to our maturity and relationship with Christ. And this is where our story with Daniel takes a turn. So let's do something a little interesting here. I know you don't usually go backwards in scripture, but let's go backwards and look at verse 10. Because I imagine that as Daniel sat in the lion's den, his body was anxious while his soul was at rest. This wasn't the first time he was in peril. Daniel knew the pain and he knew loneliness. He knew suffering, but it did not change him. 
when Daniel learned that the decree had been signed and posted, because remember, he knew he was being set up. When he learned about it, he continued to pray just as he had always done. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he knelt in prayer, thanking and praising God. The most natural thing to do in our anxiety is to feel the anxiety and to become overwhelmed by it. Our soul can know the truth and still fight our emotions and our mind. It can take a lifetime of discipline to take every thought captive, as it says in 2 Corinthians. We may know the truth and still struggle just like Mother Teresa did. Daniel knew God. He was faithful, steady, unwavering, and at all times he worshipped the Lord, just like we sang about this morning. He was dependent upon others, but he was able to stay clear and calm in his mind, especially in the face of criticism and rejection and possibly even death. He was able to separate what was happening in his life from what he knew to be true. Being differentiated means being around others when there's pressure, pressure and tension and not changing. Being able to stay who I am. Sometimes in my therapy room, I'll describe this as like a person that I'm in a relationship with is going through a tornado and I'm standing right next to it. And instead of getting caught up in the tornado, I'm able to stand firm and solid. When we're able to learn how to be differentiated, we're able to stand in such face of tension and pressure and not change who we are, but continue to be who God has called us to be. This is being highly differentiated. Think back to the last time that you were at the zoo. Now, when I think back to that, I think about being there and the cages are tall, right? The lions are out. And even if they're not roaring, and I'm there, but they're walking by me, I can feel their presence. And I can see that they're an incredibly magnificent, dangerous, and powerful animal. So here Daniel is in the lion's den. And these animals were still walking around, but the angel had shut their mouth. So he, he knew the truth. He knew they weren't going to hurt him. But yet I have to imagine that that anxiety that we talked about when we walked by and we slightly feel it walking by the lines was probably on steroids for Daniel in this moment. This is something that he is in really great company with. Hebrews 11 shares of the incredible stories of those who have gone before us. They each had their moments in the lion's den. We can see how God was present faithful, and came along each one of them at this moment. And what more shall we say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. We are not alone. We stand in good company with those who learned how to be differentiated in this world. At this point, you may be thinking, well, this is really great, Kim, but like, how does this relate to me? How do I become resilient in the face of the lion's den? What does it look like for me to grow in differentiation in this way? Well, there's a few moments 
And I'm going to get to answering that question here in a second. But there's a few moments of my own dark nights of the soul that are really easily come upon me whenever I think about what's happening and what it means to go through these times. Because as I said, even from Hebrews, we're not alone. The first moment is when my youngest was diagnosed with an extremely rare con genetic condition. He was three years old. And the doctor and the geneticist, when they gathered me up and sat me in the room, they said parenting him was gonna be like walking on the moon. They didn't think that many things would happen. And as a young mom of three kids, this is not what you wanna hear. It changed me. I felt completely through immense grief and loss about what it was going to look like to try to raise somebody to be who God had called him to be in that moment. And I would say that God has shown up in incredible ways. And if you've met my son, I think you would probably even agree with that. And so, but in that moment, that was a long period. In fact, that period for me didn't just last a few months. It actually lasted years because there was so much hard stuff that we had to overcome so early on. The next moment for me was about 12 to 15 years ago when I was working in a different congregation in a different state, just to clarify. <laughs> and the lead pastor cornered me after a board meeting. He didn't just like metaphorically corner me, he physically cornered me. And he demanded information about my clients that I was working with that was personal for those who were in the congregation. And I needed to stand strong because I was not giving that up. But that also threw me because I just never expected that from my leader. And in that moment, I really had to wrestle and to see where God was at. That was another very clear dark night for me. I'm sure that even as I'm saying this, you're thinking of maybe your own dark nights in the past, or maybe you're actually currently going through one today. Remember, we are not alone in these moments. The distance between truth and what I think and feel can be overwhelming. It is almost as, like if, it is almost as if to be like Daniel, I need to have a rhythm and a routine to my spiritual life much like Lamaze and deep breathing prepares me for childbirth. If we do not prepare, it is like a surfer who is getting tossed by a wave. To stand and be grounded, we need to be able to turn towards Jesus. Jesus was highly differentiated. In fact, I dare say he was our perfect example of what it means to be highly differentiated. He was able to stand in the face of the most extreme rejection, conflict, criticism, and death. Jesus, though, was not spared like Daniel was. Daniel left the den with no marks whatsoever. Jesus was bruised. His body was beaten and tortured. His body was also broken, but his soul remained at rest. Both of them trusted in the Lord. Both of them trusted the Lord for the outcome of the den. What happens, though, when we don't trust the Lord for the outcome of the den? Trusting ourselves with outcomes that are out of our control completely contrasts against what we just talked about of the examples of Jesus and Daniel. To be more specific, while Jesus is highly differentiated, Judas is not. Judas was weak-minded, easily persuaded, manipulated by flattery, and extremely loyal to the system that, he, that was already in place. Sound familiar? Kind of seems like King Darius, doesn't it? Those two have more in common than sometimes we think they do. 
Both are examples of low differentiated people who were unable to stand separate and grounded for what they believed in, in the midst of conflict, stress, and tension, and ended up losing themselves in the process. So how do we prepare for our own lines done experience? We first need to be able to be deeply connected to Jesus. And I wanna leave you this morning with some reflective questions to help you on that process. They're gonna be up on the screen. Yep, there they are. Are you taking time to draw near to Jesus? Are you spending time in silence and solitude? How is your prayer life? Where are you at with that? Are you immersing yourself in the word of life? Are you picking up your Bible consistently, daily? Are you meditating on what truth is, like it says in Philippians 4, that we need to be doing? Are you loving and serving your neighbor well? And I'm not just talking about our neighbor that's across the street or the stranger down the road. I'm talking about the one that lives in our house with us. I'm talking about the toddler who is having a quite a few days of bad, rowdy days, or the teenager who may seem a little rebellious right now, or the spouse whom doesn't seem to be too kind, or the boss who doesn't want to hear where you're at and what's going on. Are you loving them net well? And lastly, and I don't know if this is more important, but it definitely is very important, who do you let in to your dark night? Who are you letting in? We aren't meant to do this alone. The lion's den is not the end. It is part of our journey, one in which we walk together. The God of angel armies is standing with us. Allow your soul to rest in that truth, even if and when your body and your mind are not. Let me say that again, because this is very important. Allow your soul to rest in the truth of who God is, even if and when your body and your soul are not. Our Savior is one who shows up and protects, even if it is not how we thought it would be. Sometimes we truly are marked by the lion. Let me pray. Most Holy Lord, God of angel armies, Jesus, grant us the strength to move closer to you, Lord, each and every day. Lord, we invite you into our hearts and minds. Father, this is truly where the battle lives. Enter into these dark and lonely places, Jesus. Be with us in the emotions that overwhelm us and help us to remember the truth especially when our body and mind are in a different place. Father, guide us. Allow us to rest in you. Allow us to be like Jesus and be highly differentiated in some of the most difficult times and moments of our life. Thank you for Mother Teresa and the example she is for us, for Jesus and Daniel and for all those who come before us. Jesus, and most of all, thank you for rescuing us. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.